Well, we have some great readings today for our Holy Mass. And our first reading is from everyone's favorite book, Leviticus. Okay, probably for most people, it's the least favorite. And I would just venture to guess that it's everyone's least favorite because it seems totally irrelevant. And it's in this book that it has no narrative, no stories, no interesting characters like many of the other books of the Bible. It all has to do with these laws and regulations and temple practices that couldn't seem more disconnected from our reality and our understanding of um, life. I hope by the end of this homily to make Leviticus more relevant. And it has to do with this. Leviticus shows that God cares about worship. He cares about it deeply. And in the end, what he wants is us to worship him by offering our hearts, our lives, all of ourselves. And yet with Israel, it's proven to be too difficult. And I think if we're honest, it proves to be incredibly difficult for us. And so what God then offers as a compromise is, okay, sacrifice something very important to you. These animals, these livestock, uh, bread offerings, cereal offerings, or even incense offerings, if those are too expensive for you. And so here throughout Leviticus are all these different prescripts for how priests are to offer worship on behalf of the people. And right in the middle of Leviticus are all of these specific understandings of what would make a person ritually clean or unclean. And this is where it starts to, again, feel very disconnected um, and irrelevant. It, a person would become unclean, according to Leviticus, if they were to come into contact with the mystery of life and death. And this sounds like uh, bodily discharges, contact with blood or dead bodies, dead animals, or if a woman were to give birth, having that experience of contact with the mystery of life and even with this life leaving her body and with the fluids, it would make her unclean. Are those things bad in and of themselves? Life, death, discharges, blood, birth. No, those aren't bad. But it would make a person ritually unclean. And to be honest, I don't really fully understand it. I think it has to do with a sensitivity God wants his people to have with the mystery of life and death is ultimately reserved for worship and adoration and a, a true life that can only come from him and our fear of death that can only truly be conquered through him and so that we might have a sensitivity to that. Here's what's hard, right? If a person is clean or unclean, we often hear that as a moral value, that if you're clean, you're morally good, or if you're unclean, you're morally bad. And it's just not true. It has to do with your disposition to worship. Okay? So here we have Leviticus 14, where it has to do with this specific case of leprosy that would make a person ritually unclean. And it does have to do with the postules and the scabs and the sores. And if you read through all of it, it has to do with the color of the hair and everything else. It's happy Valentine's Day, right? <laughs> and here's the thing. Are they a bad person? No. More likely than not, they did nothing to deserve it. And yet here they are with this condition, this disease that was incredibly painful and not just exteriorly, but even interiorly. And it was a disease that we now know as Hansen's disease. 
that isn't just a surface, but it can actually get down to the level of the nerves that can be deeply painful um, for a person. Further, it was seen as being highly deadly and contagious, such that they would have to be removed, not just from the temple, not just from their family, not just from their friends, but even from society at large. They had to be quarantined outside of the city such that they could protect the common good. I said I wanted to make Leviticus relevant. Are you seeing it? Right? Relevant. This is where so many of us have been at, right? So to place ourselves in, hmm, can we imagine what it would be like to have to be isolated, be quarantined in a way that you don't deserve, and yet here you are in a sensitivity for what you have that might affect other people? Gosh, I remember at the very beginning of COVID Tide, a young woman coming in from out of the country. She was on a pilgrimage, and here it was right whenever the country locks down and in great fear over what maybe she had been exposed to or what she could be bringing in with her into the country, into her family. She described to me the painful difficulty of being with her parents and just so wanting to be consoled by her, especially her mom, she said, you know, she just wanted to give her mom a hug. And it was in this uncertainty of the time of what, what does she have? What is she, how is she dangerous that she wasn't able to do that and enjoy that embrace that she just wanted uh, so dearly from her mom. I think about my own experience. uh, And this is before I tested positive and shut down the diocese of Pittsburgh. Um, I remember being in the back sacristy and running into a brother priest and uh, we were both wearing face masks and we came to just see how each other were doing. And we crossed that six foot threshold and all of a sudden he took a step back from me. And I remember, right, it was so innocent and yet it was so personal. I knew it had nothing to do with me and yet I couldn't help but interiorize it as I was dangerous. I was the contagion, that I was bad. I think we've all had experiences of this, right? So here, right, to like imagine what it would be like for this leper who doesn't just deal with this for a couple months, but his entire life has been wearing these shaggy clothes, having his head shaved, muffling his beard, crying out, unclean, unclean. And so here he is, like, how did that interiorize within him? Oh, it's not you. You're you're not a bad person. And yet, how do you not feel that way? That you're the dangerous one? Here's what's amazing, right? That he comes before Jesus. He's able to see in him something that's different from everybody else. He throws himself down before him and he says these incredible words. Do you remember what he said? If you wish, you can make me. (laughs) What does he ask for? Right? Out of everything that must have been on his wish list. You can make me healed. You can end my suffering. You can end this exclusive life outside of the city. I just want to see my friends. I just want to see my family or I just want to be able to give my mom a hug. And out of everything, he says, you can make me clean. Revealing what? He wants to be able to worship God. It says that Jesus was moved with pity. Of course he was. Jesus, already knowing his heart, is able to have access to this heart that's primarily wants to be able to go into the temple and worship the God that he hasn't had access to. 
I don't know that there could have been a more beautiful or moving request. Friends, the church fathers are very clear. Leprosy was a foreshadowing of sin. And while leprosy is painful and deadly and contagious on a natural level, on a supernatural level, sin is even more painful and deadly. And even we could say contagious, and not in the same way as leprosy, but contagious in a way that doesn't just affect ourselves. We know this to be true, right? The devil loves to tempt us with this idea of, oh, that sin won't hurt anybody. Oh, that's just you in the privacy of your own home and your own room. And we know it's not true. Our sin can even affect those people that we care about the most and have closest to us. I think about this, right? With our our second reading of St. Paul, that he calls the people of Corinthians to be sensitive, right? Even to this leprosy of their sinfulness. He doesn't use these words, but I feel like this is what he's, he's speaking to, right? To be very aware of our internal disposition, and especially when it comes to interacting with other people, right? Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do for the glory of God. He wants the people of Corinth to have this internal disposition to recognize that everything you say, everything you do matters, right? And so in this way, we're invited to just to consider Where's the leprosy in my own life? Where are these different ways? Sin, selfishness, pride, envy. Go on down the list, right? That affects our ability to glorify God through our interactions, through our relationships. Here's what's amazing, right? For Paul, this isn't just a social thing, but it climaxes in worship. Right after this passage, we have... Paul bringing it home to the way that we approach the Holy Eucharist. He recognizes that many people are coming with this leprosy of their own hearts, and they're not recognizing that they're not disposed to receive the Lord in the Eucharist. And so he says, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. What does that what does that look like then? How do I respond? He says, therefore, ex- let one examine themselves and then approach the bread and the cup. For if anyone eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment upon himself. This is why he goes on to say, many of you are weak and ill, and even some of you have died. So it'd be so good for us to examine just to really take a, a close look at how we approach the Lord, right? Is inspired by the leper who wants to worship God, God in a cleanliness of body. How much more should we care about approaching God and worshiping him in the cleanliness of our souls? And that Paul calls us to, if we go and receive the Lord in the Eucharist unworthily, we actually receive condemnation on ourselves, we, we can actually be guilty of a further sin in desecrating the Holy Eucharist. And so, if we are guilty of a mortal sin, we should not approach communion. Okay, what about I'm not in the state of mortal sin? Would there ever be a time that I shouldn't approach the Lord? I would argue yes, right? And what does that look like? Uh, maybe my, my heart is anywhere else other than 
actually in church and I'm just filled with distractions. I'm filled with the angry conversation that I had with my spouse or with my family on the way to church and I just I can't seem to forgive them. Um, maybe it'd be prudent to not approach Holy Communion and to wait and to first, first approach the Sacrament of Reconciliation and then be able to come to make a worthy reception of Holy Communion. This would go so far, and here's just like the final invitation, right? It's to consider this, the desire of the Lord. This is what moved Jesus Christ so profoundly when he saw the leper. What moves him more than anything else is to want to pour his life, right? This is the mystery of worship. He wants to pour his life, his mercy, his grace, his love into each and every one of our hearts in such a way that he would be grieved if there was anything in the way of us being a pure receptor to his grace and to his love. So it's on us to respond and to make a worthy reception of Holy Communion, not just on Easter, not just on Christmas, not just at our first Holy Communion, not just at our marriage, at every Holy Mass that we might come to make a worthy reception and to really examine our, our consciences, examine our lives, to ask the Lord for mercy, especially in the Sacrament of Reconciliation. And it's there they were able to encounter the Lord Jesus in a way that uh, is so typified by this leper. Who, what did he do? Don't tell anybody, said Jesus. And he goes and tells everybody. And in a way we can relate, right? Or at least have sympathy. Oh, to experience God's mercy and his grace in such a profound way, we can't help but be able to share it with everyone that we know. This is what the Lord has in stores for those who love him and trust in his mercy. May God bless you.